Well, since Chip wouldn't match my energy yesterday, I'm just going to say welcome, everybody, to Chip and Eric. Eric, it's day 144 today. Wow. Stop being a Debbie Downer. Wow, we got to get great. to it. Wow. Big shout out to Deborah Big Downer. <laughs> Deborah Stinking Downer. <laughs> Second Chronicles today, Eric, mm-hmm. on day 144. Second Chronicles 36, 22. And we're going to cross over into Ezra. We're going to go to Ezra 4, 23. Wow. Chip and I just uh, were noticing that the last several verses of... Second Chronicles are the same as the first several verses of Ezra. Yes. So our version of the Bible overlaps the two. And didn't if you're know. not okay with that, go read it twice. And yeah, and we'll I just read it once. I didn't know that before, so I'm hey. going to do this. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Did people guess our sodas right like a few days Some ago? Some of them did. Some of them did? Some of them did. Okay. Allison got it right. Oh. And so then she told me I had to tell her the truth, otherwise she oh. couldn't tell people. That's true. Yeah. Someone else got it right in person, too. Hmm. You know who got it wrong, though? Boyd Rodeman got it wrong. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. He's got a... So big shout-out to Boyd Rodeman. Yeah. <laughs> for getting it wrong. Mm. I do love Boyd, though. Oh, we all do. Big smiles. And I I'm, do. You I'm do. psyched, because tonight we have elder study with him. We do. Yeah. And Ken Mueller. That's and true. And his hairdresser, whose name you found out is... Gina. Wow. <laughs> You didn't follow up yet, Chip? Not yet. Wow. It has to be. Just going to let it sit I for a couple days, huh? I bet it is. All right, it's time to read. This is, the end, This is depending on how you look at it, this is the end of Second Chronicles or oh. the beginning of Ezra. Okay. Here you go. Okay. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and send it throughout his kingdom. This is what the king... This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. So that's the end of Second Chronicles. That's where it ends there. But it continues here in Ezra. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and the Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock. Hmm. They gave them many valuable gifts in addition to the voluntary offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his own gods. Cyrus directed Midredath, the treasurer of Persia, to count these items and present them to Sheshbazar, the leader of the exiles returning to Judah. This is the list of the items that were returned. 30 gold basins, 1,000 silver basins, 29 silver incense burners, 30 gold bowls, 410 silver bowls, and a 1,000 other items, just general. In all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shesh Bazar brought all of these along with the exiles who uh, went from Babylon to Jerusalem. Here is a list of the Jewish exiles of the provinces who returned from their captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar had deported them to Babylon, but now they returned to Jerusalem and the other towns in Judah where they originally lived. Their leaders were Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sareah, Reelaya, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvai, Rehum, and Bana. 
Well, this is the number of the men of Israel who returned from exile. You had the family of Parash, 2,172. You had the family of Shephatiah, 372. We had the family of Ara, 775. The family of Pehath Moab, descendants of Jeshua and Joab, 2,812. The family of Elam, 1,254. The family of Zatu, 945, the family of Zechai, uh, 760, the family of Bani, 642, the family of Babai, 623, the family of Asgad, 1,222, the family of Adonai, 666, that's going to be a bad family there, Yeah, the family of Bigvi, 2,056, Family of Aden, 454. The family of Atter, descendants of Hezekiah, 98. The family of Bezai, 323. And I'm going to hand off to Eric. Okay. The family of Jorah, 112. The family of Hashem, 223. The family of Gibar, 95. The people of Bethlehem, 123. The people of Netophah, 56. The people of Anathoth, 128. The people of Beth Asmaveth, 42. The people of Kiriath Jerim, Kephira, and Beeroth, 743. The people of Rama and Geba, 621. The people of Michmash, 122. The people of Bethel and A, 223. The citizens of Nebo, 52. The citizens of Magbish, 156. The citizens of West Elam, 1,254. The citizens of Haram, 320. The citizens of Lod, Hadid, and oh no, 725. The citizens of Jericho, 345. And the citizens of Sana'a, 3,630. Well, these were the priests who returned from exile. You had the family of Jediah through the line of Jeshua, there are 973. The family of Immer, 1,052. The family of Pashur, 1,247. The family of Haram, 1,017. These are the Levites who returned from exile. The families of Jeshua and Cadmiel, descendants of Hodaviah, 74. The singers of the family of Asaph, 128. The gatekeepers of the family of Shalom, Ater, Talmon, Akba, Akub, I mean, Hatita, and Shobai, 139. The descendants of the following temple servants returned from exile. Ziha, Hasufa, Tebaoth, Kiros, Sai, Aiha, Pedan, Lebanon, Hagabah, Akub, Hagab, Shalmai, Hanan, Gadel, Garhar, Ria, Rezim, Nakada, Gazim, Uza, Basea, Basei, Asna, Munim, Nef, Usim, Bakbuk, Akufa, Har-har, Basileth, Mahida, Harsha, Barkos, Sisera, Tima, Neziah, and Hatifa. The descendants of these servants of King Solomon returned from exile. Sotai, Hasophereth, Peruda, Jala, Darkon, Gidel, Shephatiah, Hatil, Pokereth, Hazabayim, and Ami. In all, the temple servants and descendants of Solomon's servants numbered 392. 
Another group returned at this time from the towns of Tel Mela, Tel Harsha, Karub, Adan, and Emmer. However, mm-hmm. they could not prove that they or their families were descended of Israel. This group included the families of Deliah, Tobiah, Nakada, a total of 652 people. Three families of priests, Hobiah, Hakaz, and Barzillai, also returned. This Barzillai had married a woman who was a descendant of Barzillai of Gilead, and he had taken her family name. They searched for their names in the genealogical records, but they were not found. So they were disqualified from serving as priests. Hmm. The governor told them not to eat the priest's share of food for the sacrifices until a priest could consult the Lord about the matter by using the Urim and the Thummim, the sacred lots. So, a total of 42,360 people returned to Judah, in addition to 7,337 servants and 200 singers, both men and women. They took with them 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. When they arrived at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the family leaders made voluntary offerings toward the rebuilding of God's temple on its original site. And each leader gave as much as he could. The total of their gifts came to 61,000 gold coins, 6,250 pounds of silver, and 100 robes for the priest. So the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled in villages near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Then Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar on its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed in the law, sacrificing the number of burnt offerings specified for each day of the festival. They also offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals as prescribed by the Lord. The people also gave voluntary offerings to the Lord. Fifteen days before the festival of shelters began, the priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Then the people hired masons and carpenters and brought cedar logs from the people of Tyre and Sidon, paying them with food, wine, and olive oil. The logs were brought down from the Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for this. The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned home from exile, including Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, son of Jehoizadak, and his fellow priests, and all the Levites. The Levites, who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Jeshua with his sons and relatives, and Cadmiel and his sons, and all descendants of Hodaviah. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Hinnanadad. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to bow, to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang the song to the Lord. He is good. His faithful love endures, for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. 
But many of the older priests, Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple, wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in the loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, Let us build with you, for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Esarhaddon of Assyria brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, You may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. Then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until King Darius of Persia took the throne. Years later, when Xerxes began his reign, the enemies of Judah wrote a letter of accusation against the people of Judah in Jerusalem. Even later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, the enemies of Judah, led by Bishlam, Midradath and Tabil sent a letter to Artaxerxes in the Aramaic language, and it was translated for the king. Rehum, the governor of and Shimshai, the court secretary, wrote the letter telling King Artaxerxes about the situation in Jerusalem. They greeted the king for all their colleagues and judges and local leaders, the people of Tarpel, the Persians, the Babylonians, and the people of Erech and Susa, that is Elam. They also sent greetings from the rest of the people whom the great and noble Ashurbanipal had deported and relocated in Samaria and throughout the neighboring lands of the province west of the Euphrates River. This is a copy of their letter. It says to King Artaxerxes, from your loyal subjects in the provinces west of the Euphrates River. The king should know that the Jews who came here to Jerusalem from Babylon are rebuilding this rebellious and evil city. They have already laid the foundation and will soon finish its walls. And the king should know that if this city is rebuilt and its walls completed, it will be much to your disadvantage. For the Jews will then refuse to pay their tribute, customs, and tolls to you. Since we are your loyal subjects and do not want to see the king dishonored in this way, we sent the king this information. We suggest that a servant be made in your ancestors' records. A search be made in your ancestors' records where you will discover what a rebellious city this has been in the past. In fact, it was destroyed because of its long and troublesome history of revolt against the kings and countries who controlled it. We declare to the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the province west of the Euphrates River will be lost to you. Then King Artaxerxes sent this reply to Rehum, the governor, Shimshai, the court secretary, and their colleagues living in Samaria and throughout the province west of the Euphrates River. Greetings. The letter you sent has been translated and read to me. I ordered a search of the records and have found that Jerusalem has indeed been a hotbed of insurrection against many kings. In fact, rebellion, rebellion and revolt are normal there. Powerful kings have ruled over Jerusalem and the entire province west of the Euphrates River, receiving tribute, customs, and tolls. Therefore, issue these orders to have issue orders to have these men stop their work. That city must not be rebuilt except at my express command. Be diligent and don't neglect this matter, for we must not permit the situation to harm the king's interests. When this letter from King Artaxerxes was read to Rehum, Shimshai, and their colleagues, they hurried to Jerusalem. Then, with a show of strength, they joined, They forced the Jews to stop building. And that is our reading today. Wow. Okay. Okay, so as we read that, we were supposed to have two questions, mind ship. 
You're supposed to be thinking, what is this telling me about God? And what's this telling us about us? So, Chip, Mm -hmm. what's this tell us about God, buddy? Yeah. Um, um, He's really good with creating names that I have a hard time reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But I would say um, God stirs the hearts of his people. And I saw that somewhere. Hmm. I actually saw that towards the beginning. God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and leaders of the tribes of Judah to go to Jerusalem and build the temple of the Lord. Um, God stirs our hearts. And many times people ask me, um, how do we know God's will? Well, we have in the written word, Mm -hmm. okay, the the positive negative commands, the principles of scripture. That's awesome. That's good. That's the will of God. Um, but then, what are the, some other things that aren't covered in here? Right. What are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I uh, like this here. We see we see that many times, God, God stirs our hearts. Mm-hmm. He turns to our hearts. The heart is the center of who we are. God wants it. He wants all of it. He'll speak to it, guide us uh, in it and with it, and we respond to it. He stirred their hearts, and they did it. They went after it, and so um, I would say God stirs the hearts of His people to do what He wants them to do. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm going to say okay. God stirs the heart of all people if he chooses to because he did it to Cyrus. True. You know, he went and told Cyrus, I want you to rebuild my temple, send those, That's send the Jews back to do it. That is so true. But most often, especially today, yeah. he stirs the heart of yeah. believers because he lives in the heart of believers. The Holy Spirit lives within us. But your statement is more accurate. He does stir the heart of all people. Through the Holy Spirit, convicting sins. Should, should he choose? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where I was going to go is um, don't underestimate how God will use the lost. And, hmm. um, you know, it's tricky. It's tricky. It is and this tricky. is especially tricky because in the 2016 presidential election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, there were a lot of evangelicals out there saying, Trump is like King Cyrus, that he's a, he may not be a Christian, you know, who's to, who's to say, but God wants to use him to restore his people and his land, and that's just not, that's not accurate, mm. you know, that's not accurate. But at the same time, instead of taking this story and saying, yeah, he's like what John the Baptist was to Elijah, right, why not just say God can use any leader mm-hmm. to do this should he choose to, he you know? Um, and so I just think... We need to be very careful. Kind of like what I said about Josiah, you know, like Josiah broke down the man-made limitations on him. Mm. I think we should not underestimate how God will use the even even lost people of the world, of leaders of the world. He's in charge of that. He is in yeah. charge of that. That's what Romans 13 tells us too. God is in charge of the nations and who's, who's running them. And he will use them if he so chooses. Um, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that they're not lost and that their eternity is, is like, I think Cyrus probably is not in heaven, probably because he worshiped a lot of gods in Mm, Persia, you know, and God didn't like that, but God used him in this one instance. So I'm not saying that just because God uses a lost person, a lost leader or whatever, um, that they're suddenly saved. But the reality is he can use them and we shouldn't just look at that and say, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, he can't use them. So, so when we look at people and say, well, God's not going to use them. They're too evil. They're too corrupt. They're too awful. That's when we stop praying for the, the people that we deem too evil, too corrupt, mm. you know, too awful to, mm. for God to use. You know, I, I would say there's probably very few Christians today, relatively, 
who pray for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's not a good person by by biblical standards, and which is the standard of God. He's not a good person. But one, he deserves salvation as much as anyone, which is not at all, right? None of us did. Mm -hmm. Um, But also God can use him and and will use him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I think that prayer is a huge part of that. So I just, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess it all kind of comes down to we should be praying for um, those people who are in massive leadership roles like King Cyrus or President Biden or whoever else, Governor Kelly or, or whoever, you know, we should be praying for those people and even locally, you know, be praying for those people. Even if we think that they're not good people, we yeah. should be praying for them because we clearly should. from this text, God, God can use them. Yeah, we should. We shouldn't underestimate how God can use them, even if mm. they're lost people. I hope that made sense. True. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually it did. Yeah, I think so. So what do we do with those things today, yeah. Chip? Well, we definitely pray. Yep. I think you hit that. I think, um, as believers, you know, um, pay attention to your heart. You know, mm-hmm. you want God to use you. He wants to use you. He'll stir your heart. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll um, he'll move it. And so, pay attention to that. What's yeah. your heart moving towards? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree you know, with that. What, what, where's he? What's he moving it towards? And mm-hmm. and follow that. Don't don't push against it just because you might not like it or you might be afraid of it. You know, go after it. Embrace it. Mm-hmm. And uh, great things can happen. And don't second guess what he can do with you. I mean, if he can use an evil, idolatrous king mm-hmm. like Cyrus, true, he surely can use you, especially if you're a believer and you've been mm-hmm. redeemed, you know, by the cross and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He can use you in ways that you may not believe. Yeah, that's good. So, okay. Hey, well, thank you for joining us today. That was good. Yeah, that was fun. Good stuff. Got through some of the names. A lot there. of great names there. Yeah. One of them reminds me of my chickens. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's all. All right. Well, hey. Goodbye. Goodbye.